Hey everyone, and welcome back to Pucks and Pages. My name is Steven. That is my lovely wife, as always, Liberty. We're a married couple with different interests, and we try to drag each other into our hobbies by discussing the latest news in both books and sports. Today is the book episode before Thanksgiving break. Yes, we will not have an episode coming out the week of Thanksgiving, but I hope everyone can find a way to bring up books and not have to talk about politics this Thanksgiving. Or you could talk about sports, but today's obviously not about that, so... I mean, you could talk about sports, but I feel like it's just as bad as discussing politics. It can be in some households, I would imagine. Like, your family, because your family is split. Yeah, White Sox-Cubs. It's just a nasty thing. But we're here to talk about books, so let's get into the news. Netflix has purchased the rights to Jodi Picoult's upcoming book for film adaptation... The novel titled Wish You Were Here is set to release on November 30th. The book is said to be a deeply moving novel about the resilience of the human spirit in a moment of crisis. The book centers around Diana O'Toole, who is living her dream life in New York City. She's about to take a trip to the Galapagos Islands with her boyfriend Finn when the outbreak of a virus prevents Finn from making the trip. In the end, Diana is stuck on the islands alone when they go into quarantine. And I said, I guess that means that all the COVID-related fiction is going to start coming out now. Though, for being honest, in the first year of the pandemic, we already had one coming out. Right, like we had tons and tons of books and all sorts of stuff that were causing us chaos. So this isn't the first of the pandemic fiction or whatever, but I would love it if we could all act like the past two years haven't happened. I don't know that your body even will recognize that, though. Well, my body went through COVID. This book has not. You don't have to take it there. Yeah, I just don't know that uh, Netflix technically agrees with you on that subject. Or people trying to sell books, so. Right. The next piece of news, if you're not interested in this, I don't know who you are as my husband, but it is related to Thanksgiving because Heinz Gravy has released its first ever children's book called Grace and the Gravy Pirates in the lead up to Thanksgiving. I guess I'm not your husband. This seems really weird already. Well, yeah, but like it's interesting because it's weird. Oh, okay. The book was inspired by the iconic Thanksgiving gravy boat and tells the story of a young girl and her formidable pirate friends who embark on an adventurous voyage to fight all the things that make the holiday dry. Dry food dry conversations, and a lack of fun family activities. Grace and her mighty band of gravy pirates save the day to make Thanksgiving even more magical. The heroine and her gravy boat will be sailing through the streets of Manhattan during the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade this year. The book is available for free through the Kindle store. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. So you're going to read about some gravy pirates? Well, I'm not five, so no. But... I bet the artwork is hilarious. I would imagine so. At least a little bit. I mean, it's good if you have a young reader in your life and you want to get them excited about Thanksgiving or whatever. It's very true. Or if you just really like pirates and gravy. Or boats. Gravy boats. Yes. Yeah. I see what you and Heinz Gravy have done. I'm really not. I've never been a gravy fan, so that's probably more the reason I'm not like over the top interested in it. But I don't understand not liking gravy. Don't know what to tell you. I'm pretty sure my sister-in-law is going to be upset if you don't have her gravy on Thanksgiving. She'll have to be upset. Man, just harsh over here. 
And the last bit of actual news is that a special one-shot comic, Stranger Things Winter Special, hit the comic shelves this past week from Dark Horse Comics. The 48-page comic was written by Chris Roberson, illustrated by Abel, and lettered by Nate Pycos. I'm going to say Pycos so that we stay on the Thanksgiving theme. With pies? Yes. Oh, man. The comic is set during the winter holidays, and according to the synopsis, the kids of Hawkins are in full holiday spirit as they recall stories from their childhood and teach Eleven about Christmas. Tensions run high as Dustin swears he saw something lurking in the forest outside. I never got into Stranger Things. Me neither, to be completely honest. And, like, there's a lot of people that tell me that I'm missing out on it. But I'm, like, at the same time, I'm like, there's so many good shows on Netflix. Like, It's hard to pick what you do want to go and focus on with Netflix. Truthfully. And as well, too, like, I find myself having less and less time to watch these types of things. So, like, I feel left out of the loop if I don't, like... Stay on top of it with everybody else. We still haven't finished Lucifer, right? The last season came out a few months ago. We still haven't watched it. Haven't finished that. We haven't finished... Well, I haven't finished... um, Oh, God, what's the really popular show? Medieval Times, Dragons. Game of Thrones? Yeah, I never finished it. Medieval Times? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. The typical fantasy setting. Yes, Yes. for medieval-related things. Yeah. Yeah. But I was imagining medieval times. Like when you <laughs> eat dinner? Yeah. I'm going to take you there. It'll be in one of our vlogs. I've been there. I don't like it. I do not like medieval times. You don't want to root for the red team or the blue team or the green team? We Why all know is the there red... no yellow team? There is, but the red team always wins. That is so far off topic. But all I really remember about the things I've seen about Stranger Things is like something about Christmas lights are really important, and they flash, and they, like, send a message to someone. Yeah, they and communicate with set, letters and stuff. It's set in the 80s, I believe. Yeah, that sounds about right, roughly. And the kids are supposed to be hilarious on that show, and that's all I know. Like, my type of humor. It It's kind of like your type of humor with a crossover, though, of, like, Guillermo del Toro horror. No, thank you. Yeah. Hard pass. The kind that just gets your heart pumping for no reason, and then it just stops, and then it's there again. I hate his movies. You've made me watch them, I think, every Halloween that we've been together. That sounds about right. So, no thanks. And trying to go back to the Thanksgiving theme, our tag for the week is Thanksgiving book tags. I took two different Thanksgiving book tags and smashed them together. I was really surprised I found two different Thanksgiving book tags, but I felt like I had to really dig to try to find them. I feel like this is sounding like that just because you're a Christmas person and you hate Thanksgiving. No, I really had to work that hard to find them. Okay. But I did promise you I would find or make Thanksgiving book tags, and here we are. Fantastic. The first one is, Bread, what is a book that is purely fluff and has no real plot line? I don't think I've read a book like that personally. You're welcome. Well. (laughs) I've offered you books that aren't that bad. That's great. Yeah, so far I've had a pretty good run of not fluff books, thank goodness. I've read a few, because I'm the one who picks my books, and sometimes they're dense, since I don't have anyone to call those out for me. The first one I picked was The Deal by L. Kennedy, which is a hockey romance, and The Vacationers by Emma Straub, which is an extended family going on vacation, but then nothing happens on the vacation. For question number two, Turkey, what is a book that made you want to fall asleep? 
So when I read and I actually fall asleep, it usually doesn't have anything to do with the book. It has to do with just pure Your exhaustion. Your work-life balance problem? Yes. Your yeah. lack of sleep? Um, caused by a cat and wife and work. So I... I don't know that, like, I really have a book that's ever really truly put me to sleep, per se. Well, first of all, the cat and I are offended that we're taking the blame for your lack of sleep. But that makes sense. Yeah. For me, I picked The Dinner List by Rebecca Searle. It's about a woman who has five people attending her birthday dinner, not all of whom are alive. It's basically a book written around the theme of, if you could invite any five people to dinner, who would you invite? And it's really boring and stupid. Sorry. I'm pretty sure I actually did fall asleep while reading this because you were gone on a work trip and I was waiting for you to make it into your hotel so that I could tell you goodnight. So I was reading and then I just fell asleep. Was that, I had to have been one of the trips to Houston then because like that was the only one that I got really to the hotel super late. That sounds right. Like I think probably about midnight here in Houston. So it would have been like 10 a.m. in San Diego. Try again. Midnight would be 10 in California. PM. 10 p.m., not 10 a.m., sorry. Yeah. Oh, blame this on this lovely head cold that's just not letting my brain think. The next question is Gravy. What book makes the whole series worth reading? So I went with Supernova just because I feel like it wrapped it up really, really well, the trilogy. So, like, I don't know, as a whole. That's a good answer, yeah. I, it cleared up all the things that I had questions about at right. the very end and in turn made a trilogy really good. I have multiple because, hi, I am who I am. I said the fourth Harry Potter book is what makes that series worth reading, in my opinion. You get a lot of the darker stuff starting to happen and, like, this bridge between childhood and adulthood, almost. The Hand on the Wall makes the Truly Devious series worth reading, in my opinion. Similar to your answer, it wraps things up really well and answers a lot of the questions that I had. I said the Six of Crows makes the whole Grisha verse worth reading. And that Queen of Shadows makes the Throne of Glass series worth reading. The next question is stuffing. What book is stuffed full of action scenes? I put Berserker just because it's literally just murder and action in every direction. That's not a good comic. It was an okay first attempt at a comic. If you say so. My answer was that maybe it's because we're reading this series, but I picked Skyward because there's a lot of dogfights and stuff. Yeah. There's kind of always something going on. Yeah. Well, even when they're not in the actual fights, you have scenes of them training. Yeah. So that's always pretty action as well. Next question is Cranberries. What book has the sweetest romance? And I, I don't know what you're going to answer for this one. <laughs> I, I you're going to be like, I hate romance. Nothing. Urr, cooties, gross, you know. Um, Is that what got you sick? I gave you my cooties? Probably. You're um, welcome, I love you. Yeah. But no, I I put like most of the romances in uh, the Renegades trilogy. I feel like... They were pretty cute. Yeah, they were They were okay. Like yeah. They were good. And they weren't over the top like mushy. They were just like... Normal people yeah. dating. Yeah. Yeah. For my answer, I said that I tend to enjoy angst-riddled romances, so this question was actually pretty hard for me to answer. I think I have to go with River Lane and Easton Lockett from Enjoy the View by Sarah Morgenthaler, because the real conflict of the book is something that they face together, so we really see them work as a team as they start to fall in love with each other, which I think is the better of their romance devices. 
The next question is green beans. What book is too long and needs to be shortened? The middle books in the Harry Potter series. Maybe book five, not book four. I completely stand by my book four love. And the only reason I say that is because like, I feel like at a certain point there was just stuff there, you know, in, in both four and five. Not so I much I mean, you have four. to clarify what stuff there is because that just sounds like it's a book. But that, that's kind of what it was. Like, there were just words on pages that really didn't need to be there, I felt like. Like, when they're avoiding capture, like, it went on forever, it seemed like, originally. So, I don't know. Avoiding capture. What are you talking about? When Harry, Ron, and Hermione are hiding, and they're running away from everybody when things go to hell in a handbasket. They're in, like, the invisible tent and all that kind oh, of stuff. Yeah. That's... Book seven, though. Is it really? Yes. I, then in that case, I, I don't know. I've mixed the books up then. I, I don't know how. I'm, I don't know how to go on from here. I'm very stunned. Yeah. For, you, sh- you shouldn't be stunned. I haven't read the books a thousand times like you have, so it all kind of blends together. But for they me. only hide in the tents at the end. Yeah. Anyway, for my answer on this one, I said that all the books I hate should be shortened, <laughs> which is a great answer. But I said... Also a bad answer. <laughs> in reality, I would probably pick Legacy of Ash by Matthew Ward. I read this in 2020, and I thought it was just way too long. It's almost 800 pages, and there's so many arcs in this story, like rising action, climax, falling action, just over and over and over and over again. And I know there were multiple times I turned to you, I'm like, I thought the book was almost over, but then when I looked, I was only halfway through it. And then I told you that again at like the 600 page mark. And then again at like the 700 page mark. And it's just, you need to tell one story. And if you keep having all of this happening, maybe they should be multiple books instead. Yeah, absolutely. And it easily could have been two, three books. So it was just, it was too long. The next question is dog or cat? What is your favorite Thanksgiving food that you would steal from the table? You already know the answer to this question. The answer is bread. rolls. Well, yeah, close enough. What, Whatever bread they're serving, you will be like, oh, you made 12 rolls? I'll take 10. Thank you. I won't take 10. I'll take, I'll what, take nine. I'll wait for everybody to grab the, what they want, and then I will usually take my portion at that point in time. My portion is like 10 rolls. It's not 10 rolls. <laughs> Stop it. Well, my response was actually rolls are always a solid choice. Yeah. But I said turkey with gravy is good too. And then for like a while on my mom's side, they would make like homemade mac and cheese like from scratch. And mm-hmm. that's super good. I used to steal a lot of that too. I shouldn't say steal. I was invited. So like I <laughs> ate it, I guess. I just came over and they weren't expecting me and I just took a whole plate of mac yeah, and cheese. Yeah, just like scoop it up in this bowl for me. I'm on the road. Thanks, guys. I mean, for a while, that's pretty much what Thanksgiving was like in California because we both had to work on Thanksgivings. Yeah. The next question is, what character would most likely chase after a turkey, and what character would most likely try to save it? I really liked this one. This, this one was hard for me, because there were a couple of characters that I thought of, like, right off the bat that I could do this with. Right. But I feel like Eli from Vicious Duology would be, he wouldn't chase the turkey, he would probably kill the turkey. Okay. And then in turn, Sydney would bring the turkey back to life just like Dole and keep the turkey. <laughs> But then I feel like Eli would have to go chasing after the turkey and try to kill it again so that they could serve it. But I think it would be fantastic. Yeah. Like. That would be funny. 
It's also a very domestic scene for that series. Should we just like change the way the book's written instead of it being Dole that gets brought back to life? It's a Thanksgiving turkey. turkey. Yes. That would be a little complicated. Do like like. a little short novella. Sydney Clark just reviving everybody's turkeys. Here you go, V. Schwab, your next novella. Done. You're welcome. Wrap it up with a bow. (laughs) I said that I think Locke from the lives of Locke Lamora would chase after a turkey to kill it while his best friend Gene Tannen would try to save it. And this is particularly funny if you understand what they look like because Locke is like this scrawny, almost like anorexic kid. Like he can't put on weight for... I will have to bleep that, yes. And Gene Tannen is like this wall of a man, like just really tall, really buff, but he's like a gentle giant kind of guy. So he would totally try to save the turkey. And I said, it's hilarious, and everyone who has read that book can picture it, I'm sure. But I also said that I think Kaz from Six of Crows would be the one trying to kill the turkey, while Jesper Fahey is trying to save it, because that's just who they are as characters. The next question, what character would be most likely to start an argument at the dinner table? So I was a little like, this one, again, was one where I probably could have gone a bunch of different ways. But I went with one that I've most recently have been reading. I feel like Spencer would start some arguments at the dinner table. Just like She starts arguments just walking around. That's what I'm saying. So like, it would be pretty much perfect. For me, I said Stevie Bell. I said, I'm sorry, I love the girl, but she has such opposing views from what her characters, her characters, her parents believe that there's no way she'd make it from the dinner table without starting a fight because her parents are super Republican and she's super not. Pretty good reason to fight. The penultimate question, what character would accidentally set the oven on fire? Ron Weasley. Are you sure it's not Seamus we're thinking of? Nope, Ron Weasley. Yeah. Yeah, when he had his broken wand. Oh, yeah. Or when they were wandering around in the woods in the tent all the time, he couldn't bake or cook. Right. I said that I could easily picture Victor Vale setting the oven on fire accidentally. Me too. That's a good one, actually. I said he's always so preoccupied with either his plans to deal with Eli or his pain that he's in after book one. So it's enough to distract him from paying attention. That makes a lot of sense. And the last question, which book are you most thankful for this year? I put Wild Card. Okay. I felt like it wrapped up a series that I really, really enjoyed. So, like, it just was good because of that. Yeah. It's definitely not something that I think I would have picked up unless you would have put it in front of me either. So You're thankful to me? I guess. I, I gave you a book you liked and you're happy and thankful? Well, considering you've made the recommendations for all the books I've read, and for the most part, I've been happy. I would say that, yeah, I guess I'm thankful for you giving me book recommendations. (laughs) If you don't know what just happened. He's trying to dodge my kisses. Yep. That's so sad. Well, we're both sick, so the last thing we need to do is really be sharing germs, let's be honest. If we're both sick, it shouldn't matter. For me, I said, this may not shock you, but I couldn't narrow it down to just one. I feel like you just don't follow the (laughs) rules of these tags at all. You're like, let me list 18 things here. Who says you only have to pick one? Not the owl, clearly. (laughs) The first one I said was The One by John Mars. Yeah. And then I said Fugitive Telemetry by Martha Wells. The Lies of Locke Lamora by Scott Lynch. The Initial Insult by Mindy McGinnis. And I said it's really hard to narrow down almost 150 books to just one. So this list is going to have to do. You've read 150 books this year? As of the last book I finished, I read 150 books. Whew. 
I loved The One by John Mars because of how dark and funny it is. I loved Fugitive Telemetry because it's murder bot plus a murder mystery story. So how could I not love that? The Lies of Wakamura is just such an adventure and it has such amazing world building. Also, I love a good con story and these guys run so many cons and pull them off, which is great. The Initial Insult is a good YA mystery that actually gets dark and creepy and scary, which I appreciate because a lot of authors don't go there with YA, so I really liked that. As for what I have been reading, I managed to finish three things over the past week. The first was Failsafe by Tracy Hunter Abramson. It's a 2015 release in an adult suspense slash romance novel that was written by a woman who used to work for the CIA. I ended up reading this one 2.5 stars, so... You were excited about this book, and it seems like you weren't as you went through it, so... Let me tell you about the synopsis, and then I'll tell you why. This book features a woman and her father who use their farm as a cover for their work with the NSA protecting a team of undercover agents. All of these books are action-packed government agent-type stories with romances. My problem is that she has to go on the run because someone comes to attack them at their farm. And she does a good, a good job utilizing the resources she has in her go bag, and she does a good job of finding a way not to get caught and communicating with her team. That's all fine. The problem comes when she finds a ranch with a guy who is looking for someone to help care for his grandmother who has dementia. And so she takes on this role and it becomes more like a domestic romance situation where she falls in love with this guy, but she's on the run from these guys and she's supposed to meet her team at a set date and location not far from there. And I really didn't like the romance side of things, especially considering she takes this job, but not only is she taking care of the grandmother, She's taking care of the household chores and cooking and cleaning for this guy and he falls in love with her and the way it comes across is like, I'm in love with the things you do for me and not, I'm in love with who you are as a person. And it just felt really... Awkward, weird. Icky. Got it. And I didn't like that. And then there was a moment where like, it snaps back into being about the secret agent, secret squirrel stuff and... Now, at this point, she's attached to this guy because they're dating, and then all of that is happening, and she's making decisions that I don't approve of so that she can go back to be with this guy, but it doesn't make any sense because that's just going to bring trouble there to where she was and involve him and his grandmother and his sister and her and right, just really poor decision-making, I think. So, 2.5 stars. Understandable at that point. After that, I read Sunreach by Brandon Sanderson. It's a new release from September and a YA sci-fi novel that is set between books two and three of the Skyward series. I say novel, but it's less than 200 pages, so it's a novella. I ended up rating it four stars, so it's really good. It's not, you know, five star worthy, but I think that might be more about the fact that this is short and I don't like short stuff. I was going to say it's a novella, which you usually slam on a little bit. Right. This one is told from FM's perspective following the events of book two. And actually, we do get a little bit of what happens at the end of book two from FM's perspective, but it's only a chapter or two, I think. 
And I don't want to go in depth about everything because you haven't finished book two yet. So right. that would be giving stuff away. When does the, like, the full book three come out? The end of this month. I want to say it's the 23rd. But with the delays we've been having... Who knows when it'll come? Who knows? Like, my pre-orders are at this point at least a week or two behind on getting shipped. The V.E. Schwab Extraordinaries that I pre-ordered is going to end up shipping a month after the book came out if there are no more delays. So, we'll see. But you have plenty of time to read other things before that book gets here. Yeah. Like, you have plenty of stuff to go through still, so... And then the last thing I managed to read this past week is In the Ballroom with the Candlestick by Diana Peterfriend. It's a new release that's technically from October. I think October 26th is when it was supposed to come out, but it didn't ship till a week after. It's a YA mystery novel and book number three in the Clue Mysteries series. This one I liked. I didn't like it as much as the other two, I don't think. So I ended up rating it 3.5 stars. The series is set in an isolated boarding school in rural Maine. In book number one, we see the mystery of the murder of Headmaster Body, how that unfolds, and each book that follows ends up being a different mystery set in different rooms on the school's campus. Specifically, Tudor House, which is an old mansion that got turned into a dorm for the school. Got it. And the book has a lot of references both to the board game and the movie Clue. So obviously I'm going to like it no matter what. You just didn't love it. I didn't love it, but it's a really quick to read, fast paced mystery series. So if you have people who are actually in the YA age range, I think they're going to have a better time with this one. Got it. But... It was still a really good time. I really enjoyed it. And, you know, now I want to watch Clue again. You just got done watching it. I know, but now I want to watch it again. Oh, boy. I did used to do that when I was in high school, but I usually save it for around spooky season. But speaking of spooky, as for what I plan on reading next, I'm going to start the week reading The Damned by Renee Audier. It's a 2020 release and a YA fantasy novel, book number two in the Beautiful series. Following the events of book one, we see the consequences of Celine's actions as well as this new world she is thrust into where werewolves and vampires and all other sorts of supernatural creatures are at war and hiding in plain sight in the late 19th century New Orleans. That should be good. Have you, have you read this one before or... This one is a reread. So you're preparing yourself for a third book that's coming out? or Yes, it's coming out December 7th, I think. Okay, so I was going to say, I'm like, there must be a reason you're doing your reread now ahead of time. I realized that I didn't have as much fun reading The Beautiful last month as I wanted, and I don't know if it's because this series doesn't stand up to reread, or I was just in too much of a time crunch to really enjoy it. We had but a pretty busy month last month, so... Very many doctor's appointments, yes. And very many, many travels as well. So like yeah. it was just a lot of stuff going on in a very short amount of time. Yeah. And I think I'm going to actually enjoy this one more because you know how I said I liked angst riddled romances. This is basically the start of an angst riddled romance. Got it. Or at least the start of the angst part. So it basically just be right up your alley is what I'm hearing. It should be. Yeah. But we'll see. 
I don't remember a ton from this from the first time I read it, so we'll see where it goes. I also plan on reading the other novella that's set between books two and three in the Skyward series by Brandon Sanderson. This one is called Redawn, and it came out in October. It's a YA sci-fi novella. This one is set after the events of book two and follows Alanique from the planet Redawn once she has woken up and recovered from her injuries obtained when she crash-landed on Spence's planet. That's the most vague synopsis I can give you for this one. Sounds good, and I look forward to reading it. I will also start my reread of Half-Blood Prince. I probably won't finish it this next week. I'll finish it during our Thanksgiving break, most likely. And there are some other things I want to get to, but it all depends on, like, if Extraordinary arrives when it's supposed to or not, and if I get approved for something on NetGalley. So I'm just going to have to keep you updated during the week that we're gone on social media, which will be linked in the show notes. But... As for what we have been reading, speaking of Brandon Sanderson, which seems to be all over the podcast lately, you read the middle section of Starsight this past week. Yes, I did. And I enjoyed it. I'm, I really am ready to get to like all the exciting stuff in the third, well, for that matter, the third book that's coming, but all the exciting stuff that is to come in the last third of the book. Right. I also think having read one of the two novellas that come in between, that you will enjoy the one that's in FM's perspective, but okay. technically like 2.1, I think is what it's labeled as. Because, yeah, it's got action-y stuff and things like that, but there are also moments where like FM's just being a girl who's got certain opinions and living her life on platform prime. Yeah, I, I, I do want those stories because I feel like there's got to be stuff going on that we're just not getting in the book. So like... This is really meant to bridge the gap between books two and three. Yeah. Because there's a lot of stuff you wouldn't see because Spencer is doing her own thing at Starsight. Yeah. And there's a lot of stuff that, like, they're not just sitting on their thumbs back at Detritus. Like, they're doing things while she's gone. So, a lot of really important things. Yeah, I wouldn't ever expect them to be like, okay, well, our fate's in her hands. Bye, guys. And just kind of let her go. You know, this one girl is going to be in charge of everything, so just, we're good. Yeah, she's got it handled, don't worry about it. When we left off last week, we had Spencer, who was trying to be all sneaky spy, and overhearing a conversation between Braid and some other people outside of the canteen, basically. And then M- Mbot, I almost called him Spot. There you go, brain, we're right on it. You need to take more cold medicine, <laughs> I really do. It's wearing off. Mbot had like amped up like the quality of how well her wristband would let her hear things. Yes. I was like, that's super spy level stuff right there. We like Mbot. Yeah. And we officially meet the pilot who was in the drone that helped Spencer save more and more. Yeah. And it's a vapor is what it's called. Yeah. You learn a little bit more about it when she gets back to Starsight and Mbot's like, let me catch you up to speed, you yeah. know, but... Here's what I found on the data net. Yeah. But basically, they're put into flights after lunch and told, this is the team you're going to be working with during all the training. And it ends up being the Kitson, the little fox gerbils, uh, Vapor, Morimer, Braid, and Spenza, or Alonique, as yeah. they think of her. They originally weren't going to give them Morimer, which was like, that's jacked up. Yeah. 
Well, they have their own biases. Yeah. But she does fly back to her embassy, and he downloads a bunch of information from the data net and fills her in on things that she would know if Detritus wasn't basically in the dark. If it wasn't a prison planet, call it what it is, really. And we do have some conversations with Imbot about what it means to be alive and is he alive or is he not and stuff like that they usually see in sci-fi books, especially when there's AI involved. Well, he looks up the three steps of what it would be to actually be alive, so... Yeah. And Turney starts trying to answer all those questions for himself, and it's like, it's not possible, dude. You're, uh, you're AI. You're alive in many ways, but not really at the same time. Yeah. And we can tell that Spence is getting grumpy and kind of being a butt... And uh, she goes to sleep in Imbot instead of sleeping in the embassy because she doesn't trust them. And in the interlude after that, we see Jorgen trying to say this correctly so I don't mess anything. Jorgen is visiting Alani as she's getting worked on in the hospital. And that's when there's incoming fire and he has to go fight again. And I believe, is that when the battleships come in? Yeah, the battleships are firing on the planet. Basically, the planet's defense system that still had just enough juice basically to stop that incoming shelling of the planet. But he also has a conversation with Cobb about cytonics and how he can hear things and sometimes it looks like he can see eyes. Cobb basically sends him down to Spencer's grandmother to learn from her is what we're left off with at the end of that chapter. Right. And then Spencer wakes up in the cockpit to find that Imbot's freaking out that someone's broken into the embassy while she was asleep. She freaks out, loses her mind, but it turns out it's just the cleaning lady, who she still suspects, even after she meets. She pulls a gun on, like a destructor pistol, not just suspects, accuses. Right, right. Like, call what it is. And of course, everyone's like, you're so aggressive. Busting out guns when I'm just here to clean your house. Right. It's just like, I'm here to do basic things for you, and you're like, attack. And Kuna shows up, I believe, with a new flight suit and all that stuff for the For, for her. training. Yeah. Yeah. Tells her to get ready because the shuttle's coming to pick her up. And then she goes, and they go to a ship called the Weights and Measures, which is where basically they take everyone out of Starsight's range. So they can travel FTL faster than light in order to train there. You know what's bad is I never caught that FTL stood for faster than light. I just don't know why it never clicked for me. Wow. Yeah, just over my head. Yes, faster than light. And when they go out to start training, they learn that they're supposed to be fighting something called the Delvers, which she has a little experience with from the beginning of this novel when she saw them. In the video. In the video that scared her half to death. Is it at this point she learns what a Delver is? That it's like this weird maze thing that they have to go through, but it's going to shoot debris at you while you try to do it? Yes, yeah, so she learns everything about it. And then also in the process of learning that, learns that all the people in her flight are pretty much not prepared for anything. Right. And so they have to do basic flight training. And here's how you fly with a full team and... These are your positions you're supposed to be in, and these are your maneuvers that you can do together. And she's spending a long time going through this with her team, but, like, no other flight is doing this. No, they're all actively already practicing, like, going into the maze and all that stuff. Yeah. 
that's a large part of this section of the book, right? The training and... It's literally almost all of it. The only stuff that you really get further than is she starts to gain confidence in her group of her flight. They start working on, like, the spy robot to try to get to the engine room because she's realizing the connection she's having with the cytonics that are actually operating the FTL drive that aren't really FTL drives. They're just cytonics. Yeah. In the engine room in the first place. Other than that, they, she goes into the maze with vapor the first time and, like, it's very hallucinogenic type yes. situation. It's very weird because no two people see the same thing, so you have to do it in pairs. So that you can compare notes, basically, as to what's real and what's not. Right. They end up going back in pairs again inside, but Braid wants to go by herself and then realizes very quickly that that's not the smart thing to do. She actually apologizes, I believe, to Spencer or Alonic, as it were. I'm pretty sure Spencer's going off on her for doing that as well. She did, yeah. But we also see a communication between Spencer and her grandmother through the cytonic connection or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And her grandmother is basically saying that a hero does not choose her trials. And, like, that's supposed to help Spencer get through what she's going through right now. I'm really excited to see what happens with the spy drone because, like, they basically were wrapping up building it when I finished, so. Right. So, Spencer wants to see what's going on in the engine room of the weights and measures, and so she and Imbot come together with, like, what non-weird things can we buy that we can use parts from in order to build this drone that can spy for me? It ends up being parts of Imbot, so they have to cover him with a tarp. They do take out some of the camouflaging camouflaging, and something else in order to make it work. So Embod gets covered with a tarp. Yeah, it was like jamming sensors or something like that. We also see a moment where Spence is like, hey, did you find anything on the data net about slugs like her? Talking about Doom Slug. And he's like, oh, they're supposed to be venomous and you're supposed to report any sightings to authorities immediately and not touch them. She's like, well, a bit late for that. Yeah, it's definitely um, kind of a interesting thing there because she's like, it's clearly not venomous to humans. Like, I'm obviously fine. Yeah. And then Mormer comes over to have like a moment with her, which I thought was really sweet. Like, yeah. Well, because Mortimer has all these fears about what it means to be this draft of a being for this species and that they want to be able to show that they're valuable and worth giving birth to and keeping. And He's afraid if he's too aggressive or they are too aggressive that they wouldn't be born per se. Right. But they feel like since their parents were drone pilots, like they have enough of the knowledge base that they could do a good job in this space force that they're trying to build. And they want to show their value by doing that. But then again, if they're too good at it and are too aggressive, then they might not be born. Right. It's like this really fine line that they're walking, basically. Yeah. Which is difficult for them because, like... They're not used to it. They're going to have to make some serious choices about how much to put into the effort to become... A pilot for the Air Force, Space Force. We also see that Mortimer looks at and sees Doomslug and is like, you need to report this immediately. This is deadly. This is awful. Yeah, like petrified. Absolutely petrified. And we also see on the news that 
the human scourge is close to escaping its prison. Yeah, and you start to just basically only get that kind of information out of the news over and over and over. And Embot's like, it's on every channel. Right. Great. Well, and it goes into the politics of Starsight because Winsick and his kind really want to show their worth. And in order to do that, they have to present a threat, which is the humans on Detritus. And so they are trying to figure out a way to deal with the humans in a way that shows that they're valuable and necessary without completely destroying the humans. But everyone else is like, you're just power hungry. Yeah. And I believe your section that you read actually ends shortly thereafter where Spencer and Imbot are done building their drone and they come up with a plan for how to get the drone on the weights and measures and in the engine room. And he's like, but if it doesn't work, you also have a different hologram you can use if Alonik is no longer a viable option for you. Yeah, like if you burn the cover that you have. Yeah. And that's about where you left off, so I can understand why you told me you wanted to keep reading after you finished that. Yeah, needless to say, I'm ready to just get get through it. Right. And this is the part that a lot of people didn't like about Starsight, because it has so much flight school. And it's like, didn't we just go through a whole book about flight school, and now we're in another flight school? And they felt like it was unimaginative or too much of the same. That's a common complaint I've seen. I could see that complaint. It didn't really bother me, but like I could see where it comes from, I guess. I can see how it would upset some people, but at the same time, I feel like there's enough world building outside of the flight school stuff. Well, that there's, there's still a lot of character interactions that are required that come from it as well. Like she's being a spy and getting involved in all this interplanetary conflict politics sort of thing so i feel like all while trying to like avoid vapor and swing braid to her side like there's just there's. i, I stuff. feel like there's enough there that it's different enough right there's something going on it's not just we're flying spaceships like they're making it seem like it is right right but i could understand why someone might not like that well me too and i see the comparison that they're trying to make but it's just like you gotta open your eyes beyond what's right in front of your face because there's other things there. Right, right. And there's a lot of subtlety that can be missed in this one that I I feel like I did miss some things the first time I read it. And reading it a second time, I'm like, oh, I see what was happening there that's gonna connect to this thing later and that makes sense, so. Right. But I'm excited for you to finish this one. And you're probably gonna do that in the time that we're gone so we can discuss it when we come back. The week after Thanksgiving. Yeah, I'll probably do that and end up finishing a comic because I feel like this last third isn't really quite a third of the book. It seems like it's a little less, but I might be wrong. I don't know. It's pretty evenly divided because there's about 450 pages, if I remember correctly. Okay. 458. So you would have time, I think, to read a comic as well. Do you know which one you want to read? I have no idea which one I want to read. Do you want to read Lumberjanes Volume 1? I do not. (laughs) I know that much, to be true. Hey, read what you like. Yeah, but hopefully we get over our cold soon so that we both can feel better. And actually do Thanksgiving. Yes, it's like I'm just so worn out physically from this cold right now, so. We're going to go hydrate, take a nap. No caffeinate. Feel better. Yes. And in the meantime, we'll be on all of our social media, which will be linked in the show notes, so make sure you stay connected with us and we will see you the week after Thanksgiving. Yep, for the next sports episode, which again... Probably a long episode, but we'll catch you then, guys. Bye. Bye. 
I'm sorry. What are you sorry about? You have to breathe. There's nothing. Me too. I feel you. Do you want a tissue? Mine's not of the liquid form. Sadly, it's more just blocked up. I wish it was just blocked up. I wish mine was just liquid and I could blow it out. <coughs> Jesus. <laughs> that was good. It was definitely a thing. I don't know that good would be the word I would mm. use, but definitely a thing.